Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of my weekly show. And my apologies if you had to wait a little bit before you could listen to the previous one. Kind of forgot to post it. <laughs> my weeks are a little bit strange, or my days are strange because of the situation of my father. But we'll talk a little bit more about that after the jingle is done. And after I have thanked my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatherroderick for supporting me on a monthly basis, I really am grateful for their financial support. It helps me to sometimes uh, get new equipment, to pay sometimes an editor to help me with the videos and uh, to expand this ministry. So thank you so much for uh, for your support. If you want to help, then uh, go over to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. You know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. It's time for our news segment, and so much is happening um, in the world in general, but that's nothing new, <laughs> but also personally in my own life. You know, I, I, I explained last uh, week that my father has been hospitalized and has been uh, receiving treatment for clotted arteries in his leg, and the clotting was so bad, there was no blood going to some of his toes, and so uh, he's probably going to lose one of the toes, and another one is in the process of dying, so it's kind of a zombie foot, uh, very scary stuff. The the more serious uh, worries come from the fact that um, the uh, anesthesia has had an, a massive impact on his mental, uh, uh, let's say, clarity. So he's currently in a, a state that they call a delirium, um, which means that he's very disoriented. He can't really uh, make sense. So he, he's, he's speaking and he's very upbeat and making jokes and everything, but it doesn't make sense what he's saying. Um, and there are moments that he's a little bit more clear-headed, but other times where he's really very, very far away. So the first concern that we have is to try to get him out of that delirium so that he can uh, at least understand what is happening. And uh, one of the side effects of that state is that he is constantly removing his bandages and he's very, very restless, causing a lot of problems uh, at the hospital. <laughs> so it is, it's worrisome. We're, we're trying to go there as much as we can, but um, it is, uh, yeah, it's probably going to last uh, a couple more weeks probably be before things stabilize and then we have to think about what is the best place for him to recover and to uh, get back on his feet because it, right now with the foot he can't walk and uh, it's it's a heavy, heavy burden especially for my mom who also has her own uh, health struggles right now but both of my parents are 77 years old um, it's not really old but it's still an age uh, when when sudden developments like this can really uh, take a take a huge toll on people. So if you uh, if you can, um, any prayer is is very appreciated. But in the meantime, I always also have to uh, do what I can to to do my work and to well. Uh, kind of balance the the worries that you have and also the, the the creative things that I have to do. And next week I'm going to Rome to film a couple of episodes of my TV show. And this week I have to do a lot of prep. Because of the situation with my father, I didn't have much time to think about, well, what am I going to film there? So this, to, this entire day I've been emailing back and forth with a producer over there and see if we can find some people to interview and come up with some ideas. But it's all very, very um, uh, last minute. Now I'm really... Uh, thriving with last minute stuff because it makes me very creative but it's also a, a pretty a bit of a hassle if you have to involve other people in the work because then they're like what wait tomorrow next week that's way too early i don't have time and so it's a bit of a challenge but it's not the first time that <laughs> that i have to do uh, somehow figure out how to do things and make some tv um, despite not having planned everything way in advance We'll, we'll see it, and, you know, if I can't film four episodes, we'll film three or two or one, or I'll just go there and have gelato. <laughs> it's too, There's always a good reason to go to Rome, if only for the ice cream. And it's apparently it's very nice weather over there, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I have to, I had to kind of stop doing keto, 
So, you know, I'm on a ketogenic diet um, and fat is very healthy and it's doing a lot of uh, good for also to lose some weight. But of course, in Italy, you don't want to be on a keto diet because pizza, because pasta, because ice cream, because everything. So <laughs> temporary halt to my ketogenic diet. I'll pick it up when I get back. <laughs> And then I'm also, it's the last thing that's going on, I'm, I'm uh, doing a lot of training for this big walking event that I'll participate in in the month of July. Um, so in the, at the end of the month of July, I'm going to uh, walk with 40,000 people from all over the world um, for four days, 40 or 50 kilometers per day. Now I've been... I've, I've uh, submitted my application for 40 kilometers, um, but I can also go for 50 per day. I'm training for 50. So last week I walked for two days, not two days in a row, but on two days um, I walked 50, 55 kilometers. So 110 kilometers in the span of five or six days. Very challenging because I'm not used to walking these these huge distances. I'm a bit of a runner and I like walking, but not those big distances that are very new. And um, perhaps the biggest challenge is not immediately the physical challenge because I I can walk 55 kilometers and really not I don't I don't I don't sweat it. <laughs> it's really physically not not very very challenging, but mentally it is because I after a couple of hours I'm I'm kind of like. Okay, what do I do? <laughs> how am I how am I going to entertain myself? Because well, I'm I'm usually walking in the same direction, so I've already seen everything on the uh, on the road to the city there where I usually go. Um, my phone, I've got an old iPhone six. Um, it, it usually is out of power after a couple of hours, so I can't listen to audiobooks anymore. Um, the and there's not much you can do. Well, I can't read a Kindle or something like that when I'm walking. So I have to come up with, and, and then of course, well, I can think, I can meditate, I can develop creative ideas in my head, but even that gets, I get really fatiguing after a while. So if you have any tips on what to do on long distance walks, um, yeah, let me know because it's getting really challenging after a while. All right, and with that, I have to go. You know what? Apple should finally bring us their AR glasses. Imagine I could walk for 55 kilometers and at the same time watch a, watch Netflix on my AR glasses and still see where I'm walking. Because that's kind of the problem with the VR glasses. <laughs> if you put them on and start walking for 55 kilometers, you probably won't survive the first kilometer. <laughs> so, I, I could watch a movie while walking. How cool would that be? I not like movies. They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. While I'm recording this, I have some very, very pious people in the chat room, and they all suggest that I pray the rosary while walking 55 kilometers, or two, or three rosaries. You guys are really overestimating my, my, my own holiness, <laughs> really. Uh, yeah, one rosary, perhaps, yes, but three rosaries? Come on, I'm, I'm not that pious, really not. <laughs> And I always forget to take my rosary anyway. Um, let's talk movies and TV shows. And I got to give you a couple of reviews of movies that I watched on Netflix. I haven't had time to go to the movies. I want to go and see the third John Wick movie since I've seen the first one now on Netflix. Let's start with that. John Wick is a movie that I've never checked out. Heard a lot of good things about it. I knew it was pretty gritty. It is uh, violent. But it's also Keanu Reeves um, in in a in a in a you know very acting acting very well. It's a good script. So I finally watched John Wick, the first one, on Netflix, and I have to say it is it's a good movie. It's very well executed, good script, good acting. I think uh, Keanu is. I don't know how he how that works with this guy. He looks exactly the same for the past thirty years. I mean. It's incredible. He's he could just do another sequel to The Matrix and nobody would see that he has aged at all. You know what? Actually, I think he is in The Matrix. 
This is all filmed in the Matrix. He doesn't age. It's it's incredible. The the so the the, the movie tells the story. I'll try to keep it general to avoid spoilers. Of a former assassin or a, a gun for hire or something like that, who kind of stepped out of that previous life, started a family uh, or got married, and then he loses his wife, um, and it's a very sad moment. His wife leaves him a puppy so he can keep thinking of her and at the same time has a, a companion in, in his life. Uh, all that happens in the first few minutes of the movie. And then um, uh, he's got a very cool car and then some Russian gangsters steal his car and kill his puppy. And then the movie actually starts and then John, Wick's vow, John Wick vows to avenge his puppy avenge also what the puppy stands for which is of course this new life and his, the love of his life and he goes on a killing spree basically systematically killing anyone who has anything to do with with this horrible crime that was committed thereby also kind of violating i think um catholic morality uh you you can't right a wrong by doing something wrong so you can't fix a murder by murdering yourself which is kind of what happens. Now, of course, the kind of the redeeming plot device is that he's only killing bad guys. So he's kind of Robin Hood, but then a murderer's version of, of Robin Hood. So, but it is, it, it's, it's not, there is no proportion to, to the, to his, uh, his revenge. Um, but I have to say, just from the point of view, let's let's forget about the morals here for a second. It is a good movie, and it's very well filmed. It, there's a lot of kung fu and all that, you know, typical Keanu Reeves stuff in it. Um, and it's also got some some emotional moments in it. I really like the movie. I don't know about the second and the third one, but um, the third one is currently in, in movie theater, so I'll, I'll probably check it out one of these weeks. Then I watched another movie that I heard a lot of good things about. Well, not really about the movie, but I heard so many good things about the book series that inspired this movie. It is the, the famous Stephen King Dark Tower series. Um, according to a lot of Stephen King fans, this is one of the best book series that he's ever written. Um, it's about this this tower in the middle in the in the middle of the universe that is the defense against anything evil and as long as that as that tower uh stands straight uh then evil really doesn't have a chance to win in the universe but then of course evil tries to destroy that tower in various dimensions and that's where of course the whole saga starts you know this battle between good and evil and uh there are portals between these different worlds and well there's a lot of hopping between universes to try to save the tower so the 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 book series itself i don't know it's like seven books or something like that it's a tremendous amount of pages to uh to work your way through so i was very happy that there was a movie (laughs) so usually these movies get me going and then once i've read the first seen the first movie then i can i can continue reading the books but at least i'll have a mental image um but unfortunately the movie is really bad it is uh, uh surprisingly bad knowing how much the fans love this dark tower series and um from what i've read on the wikipedia the the production itself has been plagued by reshoots and 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 the movie screening very poorly with test audiences so there's been a lot, a lot of tinkering behind this the scenes just like what they did with solo but the the result is not solo it's a lot worse um it it, it it's it, so it tells the story of, about this boy. They don't focus on, let's say, the two antagonists. There's, there's a like a gunslinger who is not really the good guy, but at least he's trying to save the tower. And then there's this bad guy uh, played by uh, McConaughey. And that's really uh, the devil. <laughs> it's really a satanic guy. And uh, very well acted, I have to say. Both are very good. But then they, they decided to focus the first movie on, I think, the main character of the first book, which is a boy, a 13-year-old boy, uh, who discovers that he has special powers. And in his dreams, he sees this tower, doesn't really understand it, but at a certain moment is called to, well, to save the world. So it's a 
a very classic trope, kind of a, a messiah, a messianic calling. This 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 young boy who uh, uh, comes from a I think a, is it a broken family? Not really, but but anyway. He, he's soon without a family, let's put it that way, and he has to somehow save that tower. But the, the, the result of everything is so bland and so forgettable that I, I watched this last week, and when I was preparing this show, I had to really go back and read the description to, to, to remember what the movie was about. That's how, how completely flatlined it did, in, 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 at least in my perception. So, not a recommend. I may want to check out the the books now, though, because I I hear so many fans of the book series telling me, you know, read the books. It's so, so much better than the movie. So, who knows? However, I still have to finish some other books. We'll talk about that in a book segment. (laughs) I also watched something that I can really recommend you check out on Netflix, and it is a Netflix anime uh, project that they financed or co-financed. It's... it's, um, uh, the product of a Japanese anime uh, company, but they they try to to also cater to a Chinese audience. So uh, this is an anthology movie. So it has three separate stories. The entire thing is called Flavors of Youth, which is kind of a weird weird title. But I, I, I the, the Japanese titles in general, are very poetic. And even the style of the the entire storytelling, the narrative, is very poetic. Um, it's much, mo- much more about atmosphere and emotion than it is about, about plot, about, you know, the classic Hollywood productions where crisis, uh, the calling of the hero, the, the first gatekeeper, the first victory, um, the, the defeat, the second victory, all that. It has none of that. These are almost visual poems, but they're so well done. It's so beautiful to watch. It is like you're in a different world, and everything is beautiful. Um, the, uh, the first story is about a boy who grows up. You see him grow up. And the role that noodles, ramen noodles, play in his life. So, of course, you know, noodle soup is a big thing in, in Japan. And he, you see him growing up with this food. And the food itself becomes kind of the, 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 re, the recurring theme in the phases that he goes through in his life. But the, 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 the noodles themselves are animated so well that I was salivating. And it, this is not film this is an this is anime these are the best animated noodles that you've ever seen you will want to eat your tv screen I, it's unbelievable um but also i love the the kind of the slow pace the music is beautiful also the second story is probably the weakest uh of the three and the third one is very strong as well so highly highly recommended it's not it's not action anime. This is not about uh, robots that transform in cars and stuff like that. This is this is it's, it's visual poetry. I loved it. Loved it. So again, flavors of youth uh, on Netflix. And with that, it's time for a visit to the peculiar bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock. Here at the Peculiar Brunch, we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Catholic and Christian traditions, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Now, for the past weeks, we've been counting down for the 50th day after the Feast of Easter, which will be the occasion of another very important feast. Man... You guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. And we need to talk a little bit more about this feast on the 50th day after Easter, which is the Feast of Pentecost. And the name itself, Pentecost, comes from Greek, and it means the 50th day, the feast on the 50th day. Um, There is one other important feast that is celebrated in the Catholic liturgical tradition that precedes the Feast of Pentecost with 10 days, and that is the Feast of the Ascension. Uh, So it's basically commemorating that Jesus went back 
after 40 days, that's written in the gospel stories, after 40 days, he went back to his father. Um, and then the, the disciples, the apostles, are invited to pray to go back to Jerusalem and to wait for the, the gift of, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, they have no idea what that Holy Spirit is. The only thing they know is that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit and, and gives them the Spirit and promises them that the this, this Spirit will be another helper that will be sent so that they can remember everything that Jesus said and did. And that helper will, well, literally help them uh, now that Jesus is no longer among them. This um, feast happens in Jerusalem. Uh, and it's the very well-known story of the descent on the apostles who are afraid they've closed all their doors and windows because of there there are a lot of people in the in the city at that moment they are afraid uh of course still traumatized probably uh, about what happened what happened to jesus and now jesus is no longer there to to protect them and then something they hear the sound of the wind around the uh the house where they are and something that looks like fire descends from the heavens and all of a sudden they start to speak different languages and so they go out and preach they talk to all the people that are there and there's not just people from israel at that moment in the city but also people from abroad from different countries and everyone can understand what they say so it's this gift of the languages the gift of communication that the holy spirit uh, um, gives them on the feast of pentecost and it's also called the beginning, the, the birth of the church in a certain way, because that is what we do until today. It is with the help of that same spirit, we, we, remind, we remind the world of what Jesus did and, and what he said, and we try to live what he himself uh, showed us. And, uh, and so that, that gift of communication is central in the mission of the church, it's also, as you can imagine, central in my own life as a, as a priest who is active in the media, who is creating programs and podcasts and YouTube and Lego videos and whatnot. Uh, basically, every, everything that has to do with creativity has to do with the gift. And creativity itself is also communication. Um, one of the things that I always wondered as a child when I watched the skies, I was a huge astronomy fan, of course, uh, well, of course, I was a geek, so a very geeky kid. I knew that when I was looking at the Milky Way at night, I was looking at an entire galaxy of stars, and that every star was as big or bigger than our own sun, and that the, that galaxy is only one of countless other galaxies in the universe, and every galaxy uh, has... Uh, more more stars and then p potential planets than you can imagine. So it, it would always completely dazzle me to look at the skies. It would frighten me also a little bit. And then in uh, I had a teacher when I was studying philosophy in Belgium in the first few years of, of seminary, and we, we read Pascal, which is a, a French uh, writer, philosopher, poet. And Pascal... Uh, really helped me to to understand what am i looking at why if god only wanted to if the summit of creation is 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 us is mankind then he could have just done like i don't know a sun and a couple of planets just for the fun of it but why so much why why is it so big it just makes me feel so incredibly small it makes me makes it so hard to believe that anyone cares about about my life because what am i i'm a I'm a grain of, of, of sand on a grain of sand, on a grain of sand, on a grain of sand. I'm just dust. So how can a God who creates this entire universe with these, these gazillion galaxies, how can that God possibly care about me um, or, or this planet in general? And Pascal has a beautiful uh, uh, visualization. So he says, well, actually, we are in in the center of both what is infinitely infinitely small if you look through a microscope you see that everything that exists my hands my, my this table the microphone consists of of a gazillion atoms and 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 electrical currents and and cells and whatnot and and so if you look to to let's say to what is smaller than you it also dazzles you. Like, there's so much. 
that that we can't even we don't even realize the air that we breathe the 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 so the fabric of the universe both consists of, of something that is infinite infinitely small and and also immeasurable in a certain way hard to understand and 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 it's the opposite we're, we're kind of in the middle of, of also everything that that goes beyond us look at how how long it took for an earthly spacecraft to reach pluto and to take photos of that you know very remote little planet i keep calling it a planet and i will keep calling it a planet until the end of my days it is a planet end of discussion <laughs> but imagine that that is just our solar system so on the other hand it's everything big and we are in the center how can god find us and uh, pascal says it's because god watches not with a microscope not with a telescope but he looks for us with his heart and it's love that finds us and i know that doesn't explain anything and it doesn't really makes it easier conceptually to understand but it made me still understand it with my heart it, it, love can pick up a, a, a beloved one from a crowd of a million people you would recognize your mom even if you had to look through 500,000 photos you would still pick that one photo that shows your mom why because love because mother child and it's the same way with god how can he pick it how can he find us in between those immensities of of atoms and star systems because love that's what makes him pick us out of that 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 all that and and the universe itself what does it communicate to go back to the theme of communication what does it show us what does it tell us about god it tells us how massive god's creativity is how much um god is creating not just what is necessary we we tend to do that when we when we uh fill in our calendars uh, we want to be as efficient as possible. We have to-do lists. We want to make the most out of every single minute of our weeks because we know that time is finite. Our lives is, are, are finite. It's going to end before you know it. So we want to make the most out of it. So we try to focus on what is truly important. And we even, uh, that's, that's how we make the biggest choices in our lives. So, you know, what is truly important to my life? And we don't like wasting time. Well, with God, it's different. He likes to waste his time. He, he wasted eternity before, before we came around. And even on the scale of our own planet, humanity is just a blip on the radar compared to all these, these thousands and tens of thousands of years of evolution. But God is so much more than what is useful. And, and isn't that also kind of one of the characteristics of love? that love is not not utilitarian love does not or love should not just focus on what is useful or what is economic love is in its essence always free and doesn't really make sense you know if you take flowers for the person you love that doesn't really add anything to the existence it, it just adds living tissue and and uh, uh, you know plants to an environment that is actually very hostile to plants because they will die in a week from now. So why? It doesn't make sense. Well, it is to show I do something extra. Yes, this is not useful. You can't eat those flowers. <laughs> they may be pleasant to the eye for a few minutes, uh, for a few days, but that, then, then it's over. So, so the usefulness of the flowers, not that much, but it shows it is the, it's the communication of something that is so much more eternal and deep and 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 will something that lasts forever and that is love and affection that was kind of the explanation that that teacher had of of why the universe is so big he says it is god who wants to show us how much he cares how much he gives how much the what he creates the the creation is a is a reflection of his infinite creativity and how much also we reflect that cre that infinite creativity of God. It's it's um it's something you see with painters or well take a, a writer like Stephen King. 
uh, and you see how what a prolific writer that is and and people are like how could, how do you come up with these stories how can you write two three books a year and he himself doesn't really have an explanation for it well that is the miracle of creativity it is bottomless it is if we would live forever we would create forever and that's one of the things that i i i always associate with with eternity when i think of heaven what are we going to do in heaven? Well, it's certainly not sitting on a cloud and eating porridge from a golden plate. That's going to get old very soon. But I think we will be creative. We, I mean, we will create. I don't know how, and I doubt that we'll be making podcasts there. But, but that cre- the creativity that that makes us happy in this life will will extend in in the life after this life at least that's what i hope and if the holy spirit is what gives us life for eternity because it's actually the 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 ruach the 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 breath of god then then i think that eternal life will be a life of creativity and creativity is useless (laughs) and we don't have to make the most of our days i don't think there's one thing i don't think they have in heaven and that is to-do lists or inbox zero we couldn't care less because if we can't do it today or this century, we'll, we'll still have a couple of centuries to get it done. <laughs> I, I remember uh, sometimes chiding the the uh, rector of the seminary where I studied because he never went to the movies. He never watched TV. And I was like, well, how can you, how can you evangelize? How can you communicate with younger people if you don't know the culture, if you don't go to the movies? And he said, oh, Father Roderick, or well, I wasn't a father. He said, hey, Roderick, I am too busy I, as a professor, as a uh, seminary uh, director. I, I just don't have the time to go watch movies. But I've already decided that the first two centuries of my eternal life, I'll just sit in front of the TV and I'll catch up on all the movies that I miss now. <laughs> and of course, it was a joke, but it was still, there was a, an element of truth in that. I was like, yeah, yeah. The fear of missing out that is freaking us out so much in this life is is per definition something that only concerns this life in heaven there is no need for the fear of missing out because there is always another day to catch up on what you thought you missed so anyway i got to <laughs> it's so interesting to think about the implications of of all of this and it it may not explain everything from a scientific point of view and science is science, and theology is theology, and you don't have you, you shouldn't mix genres. But it helps me. Theology helps me to make sense of things. It is not helping me to understand everything or to calculate everything, but it gives it a purpose. And purpose is what I what I find extremely uh, beneficial for to to understand why I'm here and why the world is the way it is, and it doesn't mean that I have answers to every question. Um, life as and and God is a mystery, and it will keep fascinating us. But we'll get to be Spock for the rest of eternity, always discovering more, always like every turn of the corner, we'll be the, hmm, fascinating, and that curiosity, that sense of exploration, is is something I I think we will have for for the rest of our eternal lives. And there will be always more to explore. There will be always more to discover. And to read books, for instance. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night, the packet, the extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I gotta give you uh, an update on my reading progress. Today I was tempted. Um, not by sin or by, but I was tempted by an offer in my in my mailbox. You know that Apple a while ago introduced their um, Apple News subscription model, where for a flat fee per month, was it ten bucks, you could read uh, a pretty big amount of of magazines on your uh, iOS device, or uh, even a couple of newspapers. And they would also provide you with a curated selection of, of articles from, let's say, the bigger newspapers. Now, uh, a very disruptive move in theory, because it still remains to be seen if Apple will succeed with this, uh, this service that they're offering. Um, disruptive because, well, the, the newspaper business and the magazine business has always been based on the sales of, you know, paper. 
and uh, on subscriptions. And the more you can entice people to take take a subscription on your newspaper or magazine, the more money you will make, the more you will be able to pay your your writers and your uh, your uh, uh, photographers. Uh, so this flat fee, you know, kind of Spotify approach or Netflix approach to the world of newspapers and magazines is something that is, of course, also scaring a lot of other publishers. And there is this uh, company in the Netherlands, Blendl, that um, went the way of micropayments. They, they were actually in the first year, I think they started about five years ago, um, they were advertising that, well, you don't, don't, you don't need to subscribe to a newspaper anymore. With us, if you if you stay with us, you can pay per article. It's just a la carte. If you want to read an article, you just pay 10 or 25 cents or 50 cents if it's a longer article. And that way you only pay what you really consume. And that was one of my frustrations. One of the reasons that I don't have a newspaper subscription is that I don't have the time to read an entire newspaper and I hate to throw away what I haven't consumed, but I'm still paying for so I liked this micropayment model. The problem is it didn't work. People were just not paying uh, or consuming enough articles to make it worth their while. And of course, the Blendle was the middleman, so they they took a cut of the, of what of those micropayments, and then the rest went to the you know the newspaper where uh, that provided the article with. It was not. Uh, they have never made money in the past few years. So th they recently switched to an all-you-can-read model. Actually, it's, exact, it's a copy of what Apple has been doing. The only difference is mm, way less interesting magazines. You don't get access to any current newspaper. You can only look for articles that are seven days or older, which makes it not very interesting for news gathering. And then they will give you a curated feed of a maximum of 25 articles per day. All that for 10 bucks a month. And I saw that and I was like, is that interesting? Mm, they were giving a discount for if you switch now, it's uh, seven bucks a month for the first year. So I was like, mm, do I want that? Do I want that? Do I want it? I, I kind of like the idea of of this uh, all you can eat type of stuff. I think it's it's probably one of the one of the dominant ways of of uh, of getting people to pay for content um but i decided against it i decided not to take a subscription and you know what the reason is it's not that i don't like the model because i i was almost on the verge of of signing up for it but it was because my time is limited and i want to read more and I don't know if you've checked out the video that I talked about last week, the documentary about how to read faster and how to read more. One of the things that, that a lot of these um, fast readers tell you is maximize your reading time. Don't, don't go aimlessly scrawling in Facebook or on Twitter because that will lose, that will be time that you could have spent on books. And if you read books, it's an investment. It's something that you'll remember for m many years to come. Whereas article browsing, social media, it comes and goes. You don't register it. It doesn't really enrich you. It's just multiplying the distractions. So whenever you can, try to limit your social media. Try to limit the time you read, you know, articles, newspaper articles and stuff. And focus. If, you if that's what you want, if you want to read more, focus on books. And so that is what I try to do. And so instead of, of taking an hour in the morning to read newspaper articles online, I, I have a couple of podcasts that I listen to that give me an update. I actually use my Google Mini for that. And it will give me an update in the morning while I'm preparing breakfast or while I'm cooking in the evening. It will just give me three or four news uh, shows that I listen to. I'm up to date there. And then... Instead, I listen to an audiobook. I listen to an app for an hour or half an hour when I'm on my bike, when I'm walking. I try to listen as much as I can to audiobooks. And if I have time, I sit down and just read a book, um, especially before I go to bed. Try to kind of step away from the screens. Now, the Kindle, of course, is also a screen, but it is uh, less, I don't know, less aggressive than, for instance, a, a computer monitor. Uh, the other day, I made the mistake of playing an Xbox game before I went to bed. 
and at three o'clock in the morning, I was still playing that, that video game in my mind. It was just so... Whereas reading a book, especially now that I'm reading um, Wheel of Time, it just helps me to kind of slow down and gradually enter that world of dreams. So uh, that is why I did not opt for, uh, for that all-you-can-eat uh, subscription. And I want to read more books. I've started to read as an intermediate book uh, between the first and the second book of the Wheel of Time series. I started to read Percy Jackson, uh, The Lightning Thief. And it is so fun. It is actually it's a very easy read. I can totally tell that this is written for kids. It's, it's young adult novels. It, it reads super fast. And for me, I probably have a vocabulary that is similar to, uh, I don't know, high school kids. Um, so if I read grown-up books in a certain way, I have to <laughs> put more, more effort into it because my vocabulary is more limited, I think, than a native speaker. Um, so it, 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 whereas these Percy Jackson books, it's just page after page after page. I, I just read a couple of, of uh, um, uh, chapters without blinking. That's is, is very well written also. It's a fun story. I can visualize it as a movie, even though I, I try to avoid watching the movie before I've read the book. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a pleasure actually to, to be able to read as fast as I read in Dutch. And that, that, is, that makes reading a lot of fun. So it also makes me aware that one of, the, uh, one of my issues with reading English books is that I'm actually reading a lot slower than I would, uh, would if I would read it in Dutch. And, and the only remedy to that, of course, is training, is reading more. The more you read, the faster you'll, you'll go. So that's my little uh, uh, update here on the world of books. If you have any tips for me, um, let me know. And of course, I post uh, book tips, especially Kindle tips, every once in a while on uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. Because I'm a bargain hunter when it comes to Kindle books. And uh, if you want to make sure you don't miss a bargain, follow me on, on Facebook. I'm Father Roderick. And also on Twitter, Father Roderick. I don't post any tips on, on Instagram, but... Uh, I'm kind of old-fashioned with my social media. <laughs> I see aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape. I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need you! It is time to talk science fiction, and today I want to talk about one of the most exciting visual things that I've seen in the world of science fiction and fantasy, which is the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, that, of course, is the new theme park in Disneyland, and it will also come to Disney World, um, I think, next year? I'm not sure. It just opened with a lot of fanfare. Uh, they had... Uh, um, a couple of the Star Wars actors. They had George Lucas, who was there, uh, Mark Hamill, of course, not not Carrie Fisher, Peter Mayhew. Someone made a, a photo of the actors in front of the Millennium Falcon, and then they inserted the Force Ghost version of Leia and Chewbacca. And I thought it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. They there's moments like that that you you, you realize they're gone. They're no longer with us. Um, and then, uh, of course, we saw a, a flood of, of uh, early videos. Um, there's a great promotion video that Disneyland itself uh, made where they invited some of the famous YouTubers um, that went viral when, when the Force Awakens uh, trailer hit the uh, uh, hit the internet. And so there was a, a little girl... Um, there was a couple uh, huge Star Wars fans uh, made their own droids at home and, and they follow in that promotional video they follow them around and film their first impressions and they're all almost you know, moved to tears to be walking in Star, in Star Wars universe what I think is brilliant about the entire concept and that's why I'm so curious to experience it for myself and that will probably take a long time uh, before I get to do that is that they really want to make sure that this is not just a collection of rides because that would that would not be good enough for Star Wars. They wanted to make sure that if you enter Galaxy's Edge, you are participating in a story and everyone who works there is in character. 
And there are, of course, as you can imagine, a couple of hundred people, if not a thousand people working there on a daily basis. Um, and, and that can be anything from guides to people working in the restaurants, uh, the, the people that uh, uh, manage the rides themselves. They all have an individual backstory. Every cast member has a unique Star Wars themed backstory and they are supposed to be in character all the time um, and I've already read a couple of, of reviews from people that have experienced that so one of the one of the downsides of the current situation is there's only one ride right now and it's the, this Millennium Falcon ride it is a, a little bit like Star Tours if you've ever been to a Disneyland park but it is in the sense that you are flying it, you're sitting in the cockpit of a ship and you go through an interactive experience. But that's where every analogy ends because this is totally different from Star Tours in the sense it's not on rails. This You are actually either uh, a gun, uh, you're, you're um, um, armed with the guns of the Millennium Falcon, you're steering the thing, you're the onboard mechanic, and with your, te- the- with your team, you have to... Uh, make choices and and every experience every every flight is different and they use uh, use tremendously powerful computers to render that experience just for those four i think four or six people that are in the cockpit uh, at the same time i've heard it is absolutely mind-bogglingly impressive and it tr- truly feels as if you are at the helm of the millennium falcon and that of course is what every kid has dreamed of Every Star Wars kid. So um, uh, fantastic that they've been able to pull that off. Sounds like a very um, difficult process uh, and project. And also in terms of crowd management, because it's so small group based. You know, Star Tours, you could at least do like 30, 40 people at once. For this, it's individual small groups of six people. Uh, with, a lot, of course, a lot of people that will immediately go back in line to experience it another time. Um, but the crowd management has been also woven into the storytelling. It's something that I've seen for the first time and experienced for the first time when I visited Universal Studios uh, and um, Hogsmeade, the Harry Potter village, where also the cast members were all in character, not just in costume, but in character. And it it was fantastic. It It made me feel like I was there. I was Harry Potter. And the only thing that broke the illusion, I think that will also be the case in Star Wars uh, Galaxy's Edge, is the other visitors. You're in the United States, so people are walking around in their shorts and cargo shorts and with their, you know, baseball caps and loud t-shirts and loud in general, just loud behavior. And it, it just, I was like, oh, I wish there was a... British version of the Harry Potter experience in in London or something like that with, you know, no tourists. But then again, I would probably not be allowed in there uh, uh, as well. But it, it, it apparently it is pretty amazing what they did. Um, there are no other rides available. They're still um, building on the... Uh, constructing some of the other rides. But apparently there's still so much to be seen that you can't even fit it into the four hours that I, that are allotted to you if you are among the lucky people that can already visit the park right now. So you've got four hours, you get a wristband with a certain color, and as soon as the the time for your color is, uh, is over, you have to, you're supposed to leave that part of the park. And the cast members have been instructed to guide you to the exit, but in character. And while not, you know, doing it in a gentle way, but also a very firm way. That, I think, that type of crowd management is the real marvel of of Galaxy's Edge. And it is, I think, something that goes beyond anything that has been done so far in, uh, in theme parks. And uh, there was one, this one guy who wanted to try out how long he could overstay his welcome. And he was like, okay, well, what if we, I just keep walking around here and I, 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 I'm not going for the exit, even though my time's already over. So after four hours, he went for some shopping. And then, uh, well, nobody seemed to make a fuzz out of it. And then he was in one of those stores. And then uh, 
uh, one of the cast members approaches him and says, I notice that you have a green, uh, your color is green. I would advise you to get out of here as soon as you can before the stormtroopers arrive. And I bet you that if you would stay, stormtroopers would arrive to kick you out. And then he had constructed one of those droids. There's a droid construction uh, thing, which of course is a very, very expensive, you know, basically a shop where you can build your own R2-D2 or whatever using all the, you know, various droid parts. And the droid itself is remote controlled uh, when you, when you're done assembling it. And I bet you you pay a couple of hundred bucks for that droid. But who doesn't want to leave a park like that with a, their own droid and their own lightsaber? Because there's also a lightsaber shop. It's irresistible, and Disney knows that. Not only do you have to pay more than a hundred bucks to get into the park, but then they'll steal another couple of hundred bucks from you. I, you know, this this park could have been run by 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 Apple. <laughs> if Apple can sell a monitor stand for a thousand bucks, they would love to own Disney. Or do they? Do they own Disney? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't want to know. Anyway, so this this guy who wants to test the, the crowd control, he uh, he's kind of gently guided towards the exit, and then uh, he, he, he does as if his droid is protesting, and he, he tells the cast members, well, you know, I want to go, but my droid, my droid does, just doesn't want to leave. He wants to stay here. And then the cast member says, the droid can stay. You, sir, however, you have to go. That is brilliant. That is so Star Wars. That is so genius i mean unbelievable and i bet you that that cast member had to kind of think on his or her feet to come up with that answer but it shows you the quality of the crowd control there um and i'm reading a lot of stories like that um yeah i hope that one day i'll be able to walk around in that in that world but seeing how far away it is how expensive it is maybe it will come to to paris but i'm not sure i haven't heard anything about it uh but um, maybe one day, maybe one day. All right, and with that, I think we need to start. Oh, yeah, there's one more thing that we need to talk about. Tech, technology, Apple. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device. And it's going to load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built... Whoa. Well... All your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. This, of course, was the week of WWDC, or Dub Dub, as it is called by the, uh, the, the regulars there. It is the big developers conference that Apple organizes every year. And, of course, it's geared towards developers, people that program, that make software apps for the Apple ecosystem. And so it's usually a bit more technical. They don't normally they don't really pitch new iPhones or new devices. However, this time they had they made an exception. There were some there was some new hardware that was presented to the public, but there was also a lot of talk about the operating systems. Well, um, if you're an Apple fan, then of course you've already seen the keynote. Um, so I'll just give you a very short overview of my f- initial impressions and my thoughts. Um, at first, I thought it was a little bit too self-aggrandizing. Aggra- aggrandizing, is that the word? So there was a lot of like, Apple has made so much progress. Apple is the best of this and the best. Look at our numbers and look how pitiful Android is doing. And uh, there, there was a lot of... Um, uh, and, and I know that Steve Jobs also always did that. But it, 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 it feels a little bit too um, prideful almost because there is also a lot to criticize I think when it comes to Apple uh, so it, 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 it was like look at us we are we are the best company in the world and it, you know I, I'm I'm an Apple fan I've I've always used Apple I'm using I've got a huge iMac in front of me as we speak I have an iPhone I have an iPad and yet I was like Guys, this does not look right. This does not look good. A little bit more humility. Show us. Don't tell us that you're good. Show us that you're good. Let us be the ones who applaud and cheer. Instead of kind of... And that's kind of the difference with the the old Steve Jobs era. Steve Jobs would make us excited because he was himself super excited. And it was the products and what he showed us that made us super excited. 
but it wasn't like, oh, you need to now applaud because we are so great. It feels wrong. Anyway, that was my first impression. Then uh, it was long. It was very long, more than two hours, I think. And uh, not everything was very interesting. There was a lot of rehashing, repeating of stuff that they did. And, and even what they showed us, like the emoji, what's up with that? Why do you spend 15 minutes of my time on, on animated dogs? It's really... It'll probably sell stuff for them. It, it may work for the intended audience, but I was like, come on, get, get on with it. I don't want to... I'm not interested in this. This is for kids. Oh, well. And then um, they were talking about uh, the operating system. Of course, it's now going to its 13th iteration. Uh, iOS, that is. And iOS 13 is now going to be different from the I, the operating system on the iPad. Everyone was expecting this. The iPads are now so powerful and they have such a big screen that the phone interface doesn't make sense on an iPad. It's something that I've always kind of struggled with. Why doesn't it give me... Like, for instance, if I open Instagram on the iPad, it is like a huge, massive phone all of a sudden. It, it is such a bad use of the real estate of that screen. Um, and, and not to mention the power of the iPad, the power of the iPad. So they created a, a, a specific iPad version of iOS 13. And I have to say, I was not that impressed. I felt it was, it's, it's kind of building on top of what they've done for, for iOS so far, but it still felt very limited. One thing that they finally fixed, because I think it was a bug it, well, not really a bug, but it's something. It was a really a flaw of iOS. Was the file management system? Imagine, like me, you want to just bring your iPad instead of carrying uh, your uh, your MacBook with you, uh, and you want to edit a video. How do you get your raw material onto the iPad? It was a, a crazy, complicated process. It, so ridiculously difficult. Why can't I just insert uh, my SD card and upload those photos onto the iPad or into whatever program I'm using or app to, to edit? It was, had to use iCloud and synchronize or Dropbox. Ugh. And it was so finicky with what you could uh, attach to your iPad. You couldn't even just use. You have to first buy a dongle to to uh, have a, a USB or, or an as to read an SD card, and then an SD card usually could only be read only by the official photo app. Who wants to do? Who wants that? I want to use Adobe for my photos. I want to use Premiere, which is not available on the iPad. But anyway, I, I don't want to be be stuck with just Apple's standard app which is pretty bad i think for photo stuff or at least for professional photo editing so um they finally finally opened the file system up a little bit more so you can now use a regular usb sticks with your ipad thank goodness however my big disappointment was to hear that it's not available anymore for my iphone 6 plus nor is it for my ipad air iOS 13 and I and I, iPad OS will not be coming to the two most used Apple devices that I have. Just a few months ago, I paid for a battery replacement of my iPhone, thinking, well, at least with the new iOS, it will get probably a little bit faster and I can still hold on to it for another year. <sighs> obsolete it's over and out and i am not sure and that's that's apple's problem i am still not convinced that my next two devices will be apple will be apple branded because i still don't think that the ipad makes good use of seeing how expensive it is as it for a tablet a thousand bucks for you know a reasonably size because i want to have a, a slightly bigger ipad but it's so expensive and then it can still not do what I want with it. It's still not a laptop replacement. And then the phone. I am not going to pay a thousand bucks for a phone. Even if it's an, an iPhone. I just... I, 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 cannot, I cannot justify that to myself. So, 
Yeah. I, I probably will. The only Apple device that I will use on a regular basis in the future is going to be this iMac, which is also five years old. Fortunately, there's still going to be a new version of the operating system for the iMac, and let's hope that it will be compatible with the iMac that I have here, because this is a perfectly fine iMac. It's fast, it's reliable, it's got a beautiful screen. There's no reason whatsoever that it wouldn't work with the next operating system, the next version, but if they if they make the new operating system uh, incompatible with this iMac, then I know for sure what I actually already know, and that is that Apple just wants me to buy new stuff. But then, sorry, Apple, it's probably not going to be Apple-branded. Anyway, <laughs> oh, it hurts to say goodbye to Apple. I was uh, talking the other week about um, what I hoped was going to be my next uh, phone, not an Apple phone, but an Asus or an Ace, Aces, whatever, I, it's a Taiwanese uh, uh, company, uh, the Zenfone 6. And I've been, like, refreshing my browser window every day, like, when is it going to be available in, in the Netherlands? It gets getting so many great reviews. It is the perfect phone for me. And then I read this article just yesterday that because of a lawsuit by no other company than Philips, originally a Dutch company, uh, Aces is not allowed to sell their phone in the Netherlands before that lawsuit is resolved. It has to do with patented technology and their first judge uh, invalidated that patent of, of Philips and then the second judge just recently awarded them, re-awarded them that patent and now they're threatening to sue Aces if they continue to sell their phones in the Netherlands. And it's available in Germany, it's available in Belgium, it's not available in the Netherlands. Like, why? Why? I've been such a good boy. I've been waiting so long for this new phone. Patent law. I, I know it's necessary, but I hate it. <laughs> I really do. Come on. We're living in a worldwide economy. Just get your act together, Philips and Asus and... Oh, well. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another show. And, of course, for my patrons, there's the after show. Take care. God bless.